Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and there's no Jen today. Unfortunately, work's been really, really tough for her, and she's had a lot of stuff going on. So I'm just doing this one solo today. Uh, but I'm going to try a little bit different format, obviously. When I'm by myself, we don't have each other to bounce off of. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pick some cool stories to talk about like we always do, throw my own input like I always do, but also try to add some stories and some things relate to me. So uh, let's just kick this thing off. You know, it may not be as long with only one person here, but I'm going to try to fill the time properly. You know, I want to make this still entertaining for you guys and everything. Uh, so the first story I, I was reading this week that really kind of hit me as strange was that... Uh, some tournament organizers, uh, this is, well, I'll get into it, I guess, later, but basically, we're talking about Super Smash Brothers Melee tournaments, so that's the game for Nintendo, uh, GameCube, where it's like a fighting game with all the Nintendo characters, and Smash Brothers is, is often not regarded as a real fighting game, it's kind of funny, uh, a lot of people who play fighting games like Street Fighter, Tech, and Mortal Kombat look at a game like Smash Brothers, and they don't think that it's an actual fighting game, but there's no doubt that the smash brothers community is huge like it's it's really impressive like how many people are very dedicated to it and i'll be the first to admit i used to try to organize gaming tournaments back in the day when i first opened game trade and the smash brothers tournaments always had plenty of people to play the other fighting games everyone was always split up like a third of the people wanted to play street fighter a third wanted to play tekken and a third wanted to play like marvel versus capcom so it was actually always kind of frustrating organizing a tournament now smash brothers also has different versions and people split up between them but melee is most highly regarded probably is the most popular one for tournament play so this is what i thought was kind of strange so five tournament organizers have come together so these are the people that run like the the five biggest tournaments in the u.s for smash brothers they've come together to make like a, a unified rule set and one of those rules is that it bans any controller that's not an actual gamecube controller which which is strange because there's a bunch of other like Obviously, if you're playing Melee, it's it's pretty much how you want to play it, but that means you can't use something like an arcade stick. Uh, there's something that a lot of people use that's a custom controller called Smashbox, and uh, it's really strange. So I, I kind of what bothers me about this, I guess, is that five people are essentially dictating what the entire United States set of tournaments will do because people who want to play say in lower tier tournaments we we sponsor a lot and we help out with a lot of smash brothers tournaments in our local area here and all those tournaments have to look to the big guys to follow the rules that they kind of set you know and i don't know this one really kind of bothered me because it just feels like now you could argue that maybe they know what's best for the tournament scene since they're the ones putting on the big tournaments um but the it's been debated for a long time back and forth uh and like <sighs> One of the biggest guys in the Smash community, I guess, his name's Jabaley. I'll be honest, I don't know a lot of these guys, but he even he supported it, uh, and and he had fought against it for a long time. And they are working at like one of the lower tournaments. They want to talk about testing it with different things to see if there's an advantage to using different controllers. But I don't know. I just feel like it shouldn't be up to them to decide what controller you could use, uh, unless there's some sort of hacking advantage obviously you can't use like a modded controller or some sort of cheating controller but i've i've seen people at tournaments talk about having an official gamecube controller that they've done something to to like make the buttons respond faster like i don't know if it, i want to say it was some sort of like there was something in it that oh god i wish i could remember now but I, i've listened to people talk about how they've modified their controllers so that they get like faster smash hits and stuff like that and and i think what this more goes to in my opinion and i hate to be so negative about it but what i think this really goes to 
is kind of how irritating and whiny the fighting game community can be. And I say that as a member of the fighting game community. So I'm a, I'm a tournament level Tekken player and I really enjoy that game a lot. I love playing in tournaments, but when I was trying to organize tournaments, it just seemed like everybody always had a problem. And no matter how you set it up or what you try to do to make it right or to make everybody happy, you can't. And it's really frustrating because, you know, once you finally fix everything, then someone else will have a problem to complain about. And it just seems like this was maybe a problem that didn't need to be fixed. And sometimes with controllers, you do have issues at tournaments. For instance, uh, when you go to, I went to a big tournament. They don't run this tournament anymore. Um, the guy who ran it actually was from the Appleton area. His name is um, Keats, and he's really big in the fighting game scene. In fact, he now works at Iron Galaxy, and I believe they're in charge of the more of the uh, Killer Instinct game for Xbox One. So he like he went from being a tournament organizer uh, and uh, oh, and actually an EB Games assistant manager. <laughs> he went from those things to working on games because he, he was such a big uh, had such a big understanding of it. Well, anyway, he hosted a tournament uh, a few years ago called UFGT in Chicago. Uh, it was stood for the Ultimate Fighting Game Tournament. And uh, I remember there they had specific rules. Like when you played in a PS3 tournament, you couldn't bring your own wireless controller. Or if you did, you had to make sure that you were not synced up at the end of your match. Because what you'd have is somebody would accidentally hit their controller and it would do something to the old system you had just played on. So there's always has to be some sort of rules when it comes to controllers and things based on what people will do and make mistakes and like, oops, I synced up my controller to the wrong system and now I just paused the game on someone else's tournament in the middle of a match and there can be issues. But this one seems kind of strange. Now, if this custom controller Smashbox, if this is actually, I'm going to look this up real quick because I've actually never seen one of these before. So, okay, so the Smashbox looks like an arcade stick. If it was designed by like a five-year-old, <laughs> so it's um, it's got like it's got arcade buttons. So instead of a D-pad, you've got four big circle buttons, and then instead of an analog stick, you've got four big red buttons, and then so and instead of a C stick, you have four. You have four yellow buttons. And this is this thing's. I don't know how this is comfortable for people, but that's okay. That's a whole other story. So anyway, if there's some sort of advantage to that that's not fair. I agree with it. You got to get out of there. The idea of a tournament is everything has to be fair. When you take certain games like uh, Halo, for instance, the reason Halo made such a great tournament game was because it's balanced. A lot of the times, if you have, if you have a game that isn't consistent in its level design and its, its weapons and characters, you can't make a tournament based off of that unless you make a whole bunch of rules that players typically come up with to restrict it so that it can be uh, like a level playing field. So that stuff gets kind of irritating sometimes, but I think the fighting game community in general, this is like a good time for me to kind of get this off my chest. The fighting game community in general is just kind of a, can be a real pain and, and not even just so much at tournaments, but me and a few people were trying to build the fighting game community up in Green Bay and Appleton. And we, uh, we had actually talked to a local bowling alley that was going to let us use one of their meeting rooms and they weren't going to charge us for the meeting room as long as everybody there just had some food and had some drinks. That's an amazing deal. Now, they weren't using the meeting room, but for us, it was great. So every week, we'd get together, we'd haul TVs down their systems, and for a while, we'd get, you know, 15 to 20 people, and that was honestly pretty perfect. Uh, and then what we started to have doing was people weren't buying food, and they weren't buying, or they were bringing in their own drinks and, and complaining about it. And all I could think to myself was, I mean, all you got to do is have like five bucks 
to do this every week? Like what's five bucks, you know? And, but people would complain about it. So then because no one was buying food, we had to actually start charging people $5 for the venue fee. We had to say, Hey, give us all five bucks. And then we would order food for basically everybody. That's how we kind of got around the rule. And we were trying to make that work. And people complained about that. And, uh, when I was running tournaments and, and again, you can see I'm a little slighted by this, but when I was running tournaments, you would have some people that would say, Oh, well, I'm not going to drive all the way to green Bay for a tournament. If, the prize is only 50 bucks and i'm like okay i guess i understand that but then that same person would complain what it's more than five dollars to get into a tournament i don't want to do that and it's like well how, how are you gonna have a high prize pool if you don't have a, an entry fee to get in you know so it was just really really weird and and i remember um someone saying at a smash brothers tournament one time that uh uh that they couldn't go to the tournament because they couldn't afford to drive there and they lived about 15 minutes away and I'll just, I guess I'll just never understand that. You know, I, I was always working when I was younger and I'm not saying that like younger generation doesn't work, yada, yada, not saying anything like that. But when like I was in high school, I had a job in middle school and high school the whole time. So I always had enough money for my car, you know, like, like I could always gas it up and go. Like I never had that. Oh, come on. Like my friends begging me to go somewhere and be like, Oh, I can't, you know, unless you got five bucks for the gas tank. I mean, never did that. You know, and, and gas was a lot cheaper back then. Like five bucks was like, I don't know, a quarter tank back then if not half a tank, uh, sometimes about a quarter tank. And, uh, but anyway, you know, it just, I just never understood that. And so then you have to worry about those people. So then you've got people arguing that, well, I'm not going to drive to your tournament if I can't get guaranteed at least a $500 prize pool. Okay. But then that guy, that guy basically will go to a tournament. I've seen this personally in tournaments I've helped with. He'll go to a tournament and he'll ask the people playing if he can pay his fee to get into the tournament when he wins. So he's banking on winning because he came there with no money. It, I, it's just, it's really crazy scene to me. The fighting game and, and not just the fighting game community, but Smash and the fighting game community are kind of the same, kind of separate. But it was just always one of those things that I just, I'll never understand it. I don't know. It, 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 the, it's, it's full of really selfish, annoying people. And there are obviously really good people doing it too. But my experience with it was really negative. The people that compete in the tournaments and the people that, you know, everyone who tried to organize it seemed great because they all seemed like fighting game people that wanted to make it better. And, you know, unfortunately, eh, you know, the people are what inevitably end up ruining it, which I guess happens in a lot of things. Um, but anyway, so yeah, smash brothers, I guess apparently if you want to play in the big tournaments, they're going to require you to actually use official GameCube only remotes, which eh, whatever, who cares? <laughs> Not a big deal. Now this uh, next story I, I found really, really amusing because I wish this would ever happen to me and I don't think it ever would. Um, but there was, uh, the headline is an amazing dad subbed in for his son in a rocket league tournament. So NBC was doing a two on two rocket league tournament. And as you guys might know, I play a lot of rocket league and, uh, Josh Russo was all ready to go and compete with his friend. And all of a sudden, some weird thing popped up or, or some sort of emergency popped up and his friend couldn't go. So he was just basically left in the wind. You know, you can't really play 2v1. You're not going to win. And, and they probably wouldn't even let him play the tournament if, if he didn't, you know. Um, but anyway, so his dad offers to play. So I'm guessing his dad probably drove him there to the event or his dad accompanied him to the event. And when his teammate couldn't make it, his dad stepped in. Now, the funny thing about this is you think, okay, so has his dad played before? Is he good? And uh, no, he had never played before. So 
as somebody who plays a lot of Rocket League, uh, imagine you're good at a game, whatever it is, Rocket League, Call of Duty, whatever, and then you're your only teammate is a person who's never touched the controller before. And so he's learning how to drive forward and backward and jump and maybe see what turbo is learning how to hit the ball, just hit it. And you're trying to win a tournament. Um, and I'm sad to report that they did not win the tournament, but I guess his dad even scored a goal. And it, like a lot of people, it turned into kind of this cool, wholesome meme. And it just was a really kind of a neat story. You know, like he got to play with his dad. I mean, he, he was probably upset his partner couldn't go, you know, and, and like you would be if you were trying to compete in a tournament and trying to win. But how cool is that, that his dad stepped up and did that? Like when I think of my dad, my dad's kind of like, a, he's, he's like a, I don't know how to say it without sounding stupid, but like, he's like a man's man. Right. So he, he's like, I, I go outside, I go hunting, fishing, I chop firewood, you know, like I, I'm an outdoorsman, you know, I don't cry, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and I love my dad. My dad's great. And, uh, and he's awesome, but you know, that he's like a man's man. You never do that. Well, when I was a kid, I remember playing a lot of Mike Tyson's punch out on the Nintendo. Uh, we got our Nintendo for Christmas one year. My mom and dad got it for us. I'm not quite sure why, um, but they did and, and and it was a great gift don't know where the idea came from i'm sure we were begging for it most likely and we got a nintendo and i remember getting mike tyson's punch out somewhere along the lines don't don't know where we got it but i was playing it and playing i love that game i've played a lot of mike tyson's punch out and you know love it and i remember he would come upstairs he say, you know guy come on you got to go outside you can't be playing on this game all day much like many dads would say nothing strange there so you know our faces droop and we just kind of sink our fate heads down and we're like oh i gotta go outside and play oh. so we go outside and we're throwing a football around for 10 minutes it's fall time you know and it's like it's cold out here let's throw a football eh let, let's do this uh this is all boring okay it's been a half hour hour let's just go back inside right well i go upstairs and the door is locked to like my brother's room I'm like why are my brother's no he's not home why is his door locked and we're like knocking on the door and i can hear my dad playing punch out through the door so my dad basically kicked us outside so that he could play punch out you know and uh so i think it's really funny because my dad was at that age like see okay let, let me try to do some quick math so at that time my dad was probably he was probably 40 or 43. Let, let's say, let's say 40, let's say 43. Cause that, that, that so, cause he's, he's 30 years older than I am. And I've been about 13 at that time, if not a little bit younger. So we'll, let's just say 40 to make it even. So I'm 36 now. So I could imagine me, like I would do that at 40. And it's funny, like when you're a kid, how old 40 seems, but when you're an adult, like I'm 36 and I, I don't feel 36. I mean, I do after, you know, trying to play in a three on three street ball tournament with my friends or when I do landscaping the day all day, the day before. But for the most part, I don't feel 36. Like I, I've always enjoyed things I enjoy. And like my mom and dad used to go bowling a lot and do pool tournaments a lot. Like that was kind of their video games. I think for them, like they were doing, they were still going out and having fun is my point. Just like I today do with Jen. We just don't go out bowling. We go and we play, I play rocket league or we play, um, world of warcraft or whatever and uh so i thought i thought that was pretty neat that his dad stepped in for him and would do that um but what's funny is i think about this as i'm telling this story i think of another story where my dad uh i i really wanted to go see the beavis and butthead movie when it came out because i'm a huge beavis and butthead fan like i've got all the comics uh, which are great, by the way, and obviously love the show. I actually thought the movie was okay, but the show is hilarious. It's all great. Have the video games in my collection. 
And I remember he came with me and he actually watched the movie with me, which sometimes if you're listening to this and you're an adult and you don't have kids, like I don't have any kids and I don't know if I ever will, but like I think of that and I wonder what he was thinking because if I did that, I would be thinking, I don't want my son to do this alone or, or I might have been doing it to spend some time with him. Like maybe I can connect with my son if I show him I'm interested in the things he's interested in. Maybe that's what my dad was doing. You know, and he uh, he suffers from, if I could be so blunt, like social anxiety. It's just when he was growing up and when he was an, a young adult, they didn't have that. You know, we didn't we didn't call it that back then. So like when he goes to parties, he doesn't like being there. He'd rather be at home. He'd rather be out in the woods hunting by himself. You know, that's just his, that's and that's okay. That's his thing. Um, but I always it's it's a neat way to like look at his perspective. I think on something. You know, like you get to see. As, as an adult now, I get to look back and see, since I'm roughly the same age he was while he was doing these things, like where my motivation would have been and where his motivation probably was. And it's neat because you always just kind of picture your parents as your parents. And it's hard to picture them as like people, you know, and, and as like see my dad as a man as opposed to seeing him as my dad. And uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, he, ne- he would never play Rocket League with me, even if I begged him probably. Uh, but, uh, I'll tell you one final story about my dad and then I'll, I'll move on. But, uh, this is kind of funny because, uh, obviously I'm the owner of game trade. If, if you don't know, uh, I, I own my own video game store, which has been open about six and a half years now. And I worked at GameStop for 11 years before that opened up game trade. So I've been selling video games for almost 20 years of my life, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like 18, 19 years, 17, 18 years of doing this. And, uh, um, so I remember we had this really candid moment. Like he was helping me out. We moved the store next door from where we were to where we are now. Just one space over in a bigger space, a nicer space. And I remember one day we had this really candid moment. And like I said, he doesn't speak up a lot. And uh, he, he, he said, he looked me dead in the face and just really proudly said, you know, I always thought, that, you know, these video games wouldn't, wouldn't do nothing. They were just a stupid waste of time. He's like, you you sure proved me wrong. Look at you made out of just video games. And, uh, and it was a really touching moment. It was also kind of funny because I mean, it's an old people thing to kind of say video games are, are a waste, <laughs> but I, uh, he was really, he was very sincere and it was, it was one of those moments where he had like an emotional moment, which he normally doesn't have. And, uh, that was really neat. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, he, um, I don't know. He, uh, he felt like he needed to tell me that. Uh, that, uh, so he always thought video games were a stupid waste of time. <laughs> and then I, I opened up a video game store and became successful with it. So, uh, that's always, uh, I think that's a funny story that, uh, I'm sure if I ever tell him that he would say, well, I wasn't surprised. Oh, he's no, that's, that's my dad's, rah, rah, rah. but, um, but he, I thought that was funny that, uh, about how, um, how he was, like so surprised, but also so sincere about it. Like, like, like he came to this realization one day that he's like, wow, video games can be something big or something, you know? Um, but anyway, um, so, uh, let's see, we got two stories left. So the next one that kind of caught my eye, uh, which I, which actually is related to the fighting game tournaments, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, was that Evo, which is the, uh, world's biggest fighting game tournament. It, it happens, I think it's usually in July. It's out in LA, I think. It's out in California somewhere. And it's huge. Like it's they have tens of thousands of people watching and in attendance and competing. I mean, it's awesome. It's 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 a huge event and it's a big deal. They have it in like in like stadiums. Like it's it's crazy. And uh so they they have a slight rule change. 
<laughs> and um, they're going to now allow coaching, which I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm, I'm just, it sounds really stupid to me that in a fighting game, it'd be coaching. I, I can, to me, I guess it feels, it feels like, like a fighting game is something that's, it's you versus somebody else. So to have a coach there, who's going to be like screaming in your ear the whole time, I think, well, one, that'd be really irritating to me. It would just kind of piss me off. But, uh, it's, it's always been long debated like in esports if coaching is something. Uh, you know, before and after a match, you can always do whatever you want. But during a match has always been kind of like that. You leave them alone. You can't say things. You can't really, you know, whatever. Um, which is unlike major sports. Like you can have people on the sidelines screaming during NFL games, NBA. You've got people, you know, calling things out. Even in baseball, you've got coaches on, on the b different bases telling you when to go, when not to go, stuff like that. And, uh, so anyway, so uh, Joey uh, Sewler, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, uh, the head honcho of Evo is saying there's an Evo rules update. We have removed the no coaching rule, reduced the time between rounds to 30 seconds, and added a staged trespassing rule. To clarify, the trespassing rule ensures that no one interrupts the match directly on stage, including coaches. So apparently it leads to all sort of weird instances where players will even like decline playing on the main stage. Um, but apparently what they're going to do is, uh, in the top eight of a tournament. So when you're down to like your last eight people, they won't allow coaching anyway. Uh, and they mostly do that just to, uh, for, for match quality, but also for streaming. Cause you don't want to have some like you who just like screaming into your, you know, over what's happening in the action. Like you kind of want to see the two people there fighting. And I don't know, it's weird. Like fighting games, when I play Tekken, I focus, I laser focus. And so there's not really time for like trash talking and stuff like that. Like you just, you lock in, you focus on something and you're done. And so I, I, I don't know. I coaching, I don't even know if a coach would help me now. I could see doing a coach between rounds, right? So say you play somebody and, and you just get trounced and your coach is like, okay, here's the thing. He's watching you be overly aggressive and he's waiting for you to move and he's countering you. So per, now what you got to start doing is feign like you're going to go in, then back off and then come in with something different, get off his timing, you know, something like that. I could see that. That's advice, a little bit of coaching. Um, but during a match, if say I was playing and the coach is like, come on, dude, you got to, you got to spam punch. Come on, high punch, high punch. Okay. Now drop him with the low kick. And I'd be like, just stop, please. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I think that's how it works. in like, UFC tournaments are like that. I know like you have coaches constantly screaming during the match. Like I watch a lot of UFC. And like, you'll have a guy in the mat and he'll actually, when they're on the mat wrestling, he'll push his opponent over to his own corner if he can, so that he's far away from his coaches and the guy who's in position to win might be closer to his coaches so he can have people tell him the best advice. And so it's kind of strange, but I, that works. It's obviously a big part of that sport. So now you think like, would that work in a fighting game? I don't know. I think the rounds are almost too short. I think the games are over too quickly to to try to say something like that. But you know, if you had someone saying, you know, in Street Fighter, like spam Hodokins, spam, spam, you know, okay, hit him with a flash kick. Hit him. Like, can you even hear that? Understand it and respond in the time you'd need to. You know, it's not like when UFC they're wrestling on the ground and they might have him in position and he's laying on him and he's holding him down, and then he's got his coach saying, okay, now now work the body, work the body, and just get a little more time. Same with boxing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so um, coaching is going to become a thing, I guess, in esports as well. Again, it makes sense to me kind of between rounds to try to like get someone else to, who can watch it from an outside perspective, see what's happening. But in a fighting game, you're kind of already in an outside perspective because you see your character. So if you're playing 
in the match, I can't imagine there's anything else that a coach would see that you yourself hadn't been seeing, right? Maybe? Yes? Possibly? I don't know. Well, anyway, I just thought it was funny that uh, they're debating having coaches around for esports. So, uh, yeah, coaches. Got to make sure I'm still recording here because my cat just stepped on the keyboard. Um, so, yeah, coaches, uh, whatever. Um, and then uh, the main story of the night, which isn't really that big of a story, but it's going to lead into something I'm a little more irritated with as of late. But uh, we have uh, Metal, uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War. So that's the sequel to uh, Middle Earth Shadows of Mordor, which I actually think is an outstanding game. Love Shadows of Mordor. It was very, very good, so I highly recommend you go play it if you haven't. It's Lord of the Rings with the combat engine of Batman and free-roaming and climbing of Assassin's Creed. All very good things. Uh, so Shadow War is coming out. Looks really good. Very excited for it. And then this article comes out. So they make this announcement just the other day. Uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War lets you pay real money for better gear. So now uh, it's not just, uh, let's see... Um, you, you can buy loot boxes with microtransactions, and not just for cosmetics, but for gear that improves your actual characters, like a better sword or better armor. And I just thought, like, what is it with this current trend in games now that we have to have unlockables and loot boxes and randomness and all this other sort of stuff? Like, it's everywhere. Overwatch does it. Uh, Hearthstone, uh, not Hearthstone, excuse me, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, um, so many different games. Rocket League is really bad about it. Um, I play a lot of Player Unknown Battlegrounds. They're doing it now. And it's just so egregious to me because what it is is it's a free-to-play strategy being implemented into full-price games. So, like, a lot of this started way back in the day with stuff like Farmville, right? So Farmville and all those stupid uh, app games, you... It's a free-to-play game, but as you're playing it, man, I could speed time up. I could get better items. I could get more crops. I could do all this other stuff if I pay real-world money. Well, to me, you don't have to do that, but you can. It's a choice. <clears throat> so, And you didn't pay anything for the game, so it's fine. When it comes to a game like this that you're going to drop 60 bucks on, and then they're also having the option of, oh, by the way, you can also spend more money, it really kind of irritates me. Uh, most recently in Rocket League, what they do is when you, after every randomly after you win or lose a match, you have a chance to randomly get a crate that could have possibly new items in it. Now, to be fair to Rocket League, none of those items improve your performance or how you can play the game. It's all cosmetic. It's just for looks. Okay. But they give you these crates and I go, oh, cool. I'm going to open this crate, see what I can get. Oh, to open crates, you got to have a key. Oh, to have a key, you have to buy a key. I'm like, what? So I already paid for this game. Technically, I paid for it twice. I already paid for this game. And now you want to squeeze more money out of me just to get cosmetic items. Now, I understand if you want to just have a store and say, hey, do you want to buy this cool rocket trail? It's 50 cents. Okay, I'm cool with that. But to buy keys to get random chance to get something I want, it's like they're purposely making it random to keep, like, keep stringing you along, basically. Now, my friend Brandon, he uh, who I play Rocket League 2s with a lot, he... He spent almost $50 on keys already, he said to me earlier today. And not only that, sometimes when he opens a crate, he gets rare items and he gets doubles of the rares he already has. So, like, how fair is that? So not only are you making this random, but you're making it random and allowing there to be doubles. Ugh, what a pain in the ass. So let's get back to Shadow War real quick. So Shadow War is going to do this. They're going to have 
there's like a marketplace they're opening up where you can buy you can actually buy loot chests war chests you can buy experience boosts and bundles it's just this this is the perfect example of like a publisher stepping in saying hey your game's popular what can we what kind of crap can we weigh it down with to try to make to pinch just another penny or two out of all of our customers and i know it's going to sound really weird but i think part of the problem with gaming today is every game that comes out is trying to make it so that everyone keeps playing their game forever why would you want to play a game forever you know like as as consumers like they're trying to get us to stay as long as we can playing their one stupid game why don't they just take and make another game and let us play another game that they make but what they do is they take a game that they know is popular and they try to just milk it milk it and it's so incredibly frustrating to me this is like an old strategy from the casinos way back in the day just get what you can to get people to stay there and they'll spend more money it's the exact same thing and it's just really egregious to me when you have a full price 60 dollar game you have a full price 60 dollar game and now they want to squeeze more money out of you i mean i would argue that you could you could make that argument about dlc the same way but a lot of times dlc is worked on and added later this is a, a random thing that you can just keep buying these loot crates. I mean, some people, and I know people are addicted this way to certain games like this. I mean, my buddy Brandon spent 50 bucks on keys to open chests that are random in Rocket League. 50 extra dollars, not counting what he paid for the game. Just in incredibly insane to me. And I got really upset because I was playing uh, Player Known Battlegrounds, or PUBG for short. I was playing PUBG the other day, and I had a bunch of points because I won some games and I killed some people. So I got a whole bunch of these um, CP points or whatever, and you use those to buy chests that can have random loot as well i don't mind if they do it in a game where i can just play the game and do it i don't have to buy anything and they had some special crates that were like from some gamescom event or something and i was like okay cool they have a chance to get random loot let's do it so i, I used my points to get two crates okay so i had to use in-game currency that i already earned by playing the game a bunch to buy points to buy these crates and then i go to open the crate and i need a key to open the crate and each key is two dollars and I thought, what the, what the hell is this? So not only do I, I have to farm the game to actually buy these crates, I have to use real money then to buy the keys to open the crates. I don't know. It's a whole big thing right now. This this kind of pay to win or or a random loot crate where you, you buy into the game and spend more money, it's just incredibly irritating to me. And it's 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 just getting worse. I mean, with something like, like Shadow of War, there's no reason to implement it in this game. It's a single-player game. It's not even cosmetic-based. It's actually better weapons. So you're just telling people, hey, you're not any good at the game. You don't want to put a lot of effort in. That's fine. If you have some money, you can just buy better weapons. How does that make you feel? And I guess I would say, okay, I guess if that makes you happy. Except they don't even let you buy the items you want. You have to buy random chests and just hope that you get the items you want. I mean, it's just like they're double-dipping. And it, 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 to me, I feel like they're taking advantage of us as customers, you know? It just, it's incredibly, incredibly annoying to me when these companies have plenty of money, they know what they're doing, they're making a good game, and then let's just try to milk it out. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It comes out in October, I was really hyped for it. See something like this, it kind of kills my hype, even though the game itself will probably still be amazing. There's a part of me that almost wants to boycott it, which would probably be really stupid because then I miss out on a really good game. Uh, but you know, I mean, sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe in, and sometimes you have to. You, you're nothing will speak louder than the action of not buying a game. If a lot of people didn't buy this game and say stated that as the reason, well, maybe we'll change the course of things. Probably not, but maybe. And uh, well, anyway, guys, that's uh, that's the podcast today. The only thing uh, I, I want to do at the final end here is I want to do a game recommendation. 
like I've been trying to do consistently here. So this week I'm going to recommend a Sega Genesis game that I really, really like a lot. Uh, it is called X-Men 2. So there's a couple X-Men games on the Sega Genesis. X-Men, X-Men 2, and there's one called Spider-Man X-Men uh, Arcade's Revenge. And uh, X-Men 1 was actually a launch title I bought with my Sega Genesis. And it was a fun game at the time, but it didn't age very well. X-Men 2, on the other hand, took everything about the first one that was good, kept it, and then cranked everything up that needed work and fixed it. Uh, it's a two-player co-op game. You have unlimited mutant power, so like Cyclops can shoot as many beams as he wants. Gambit can throw as many cards as he wants. All that stuff makes sense. Wolverine slowly regenerates health because of his healing factor. Like all these great little things. Uh, Beast and Nightcrawler can crawl on walls. Uh, and now this game was really unique in the very beginning when you turn it on. When you first hit the power button, you don't even see a Sega logo. The first thing it does is kick you off into an intro level. Only cartridge game I ever played ever that did that. So it randomly gives you a character and starts you on the first level before you even see the Sega symbol. Then you beat that level, then it brings up the Sega logo and the start menu, and you get to go in and check it out. But a very good game. Uh, like I said, two-player co-op. One of the levels is you go inside of a, of a master mold, the, sent, the big sentinel, and you have to fight him as a boss. Um, you actually get to have Magneto join your team. So you get to play as Magneto. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on in that game. But anyway, that's my game recommendation of the week. And I know this was a little bit of a short one, and hopefully Jen will be back with us next week. But I wanted to at least record something because I really enjoy doing this every week for you guys and um, also for myself. And I hope you guys get a little enjoyment out of listening to it as well. So anyway, I just want to say, as always, uh, thank you, thank you for listening. If you have questions, you can always hit me up. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bros Insanity. Um, otherwise, you can find Jen at Game Talk Jen. Uh, or you can email us at GameTalkRadioWI at gmail.com. You can email us questions, and we'd happily read them on the air. Uh, but anyway, as always, super, super appreciate you guys listening, and we all hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>